Hello, and welcome back to Grounds and Leaves Theology. Thank you so much for everyone who's been listening this far, and even if that right now that's just friends and family, we really do appreciate every single listen that we get. So today we're going to talk about a subject that I think can be pretty highly debated within churches. Yeah, for sure. And that subject is worship. You know, something that's pretty crucial for the Christian life, pretty uh, practical and hits right home. But maybe that's the exact reason uh, it can spark such intense arguments. But yeah, even just these uh, ideas of worship wars, just like culture wars, it's a pretty mm-hmm. prominent thing. But we do want to deal with this issue from a biblical standpoint, deal with some common questions as well as uh, kind of what's the standard practice of the church, what's popular, and then just examine it and get back to the heart of worship as that one song goes. Yeah. <laughs> the biblical heart of worship, that is. Yes, for sure. So first, as we start many of our episodes, we're going to start by defining what exactly is worship and what does it include. Define those terms. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so, I mean, worship is a pretty uh, broad statement and probably a number of our listeners have heard before, you know, worship is not just singing. It's so much more than, and yes, that, that is absolutely true. It encompasses a lot more. We could say that on one level, you could define worship as sacrifice. Right. And so obviously in the Old Testament with the animal sacrifices, we saw that play through. And when we celebrate Jesus's uh, death, which was his sacrifice for us, we can see worship there. And even in our day to day Christian lives, we are told to um, offer our bodies as living sacrifices for God, which is our true and proper worship, as Mm -hmm. the verse says. So on one hand, we can uh, view it through that lens. I think perhaps just getting more down to the root of what worship really means it is ascribing glory or honor to god that belongs only to him so it's giving him that which is his due and so obviously that would mean you don't give this type of honor and this type of glory to anyone or anything else okay yeah and specifically today we're going to be focusing mainly on the music part of worship right right? yes yeah because even though there is many many different things that are considered forms of worship i think probably the most highly debated part of worship is the music part there's just so many different topics we're going to touch on today no for sure and even when we have this broader view of the definition of worship we still want to emphasize and highlight the the value that singing and these songs have like just because worship is more than that it's certainly not less yeah yeah very true so the first subject i want to touch on is how can we tell the difference between christian music or worship music like just Mm -hmm. a song that you're going to hear on the radio or something that's appropriate to be sung in church as worship music right and i mean a number of people might think what do you mean? What's the difference? What is the difference? Mm -hmm. Like we do uh, tend to conflate them or put them on the same level. But really in what I've come to understand in my experience and uh, listening to 
the lyrics of certain songs is there's a lot of songs which have a Christian message that is meant to encourage the believer, right? And that's good. It can describe our, our struggles, things we've learned, but a worship song is more specifically about God, about mm. his attributes, his actions, what he's done for us, and giving him praise for that. So a lot of Christian songs, I think, are they're quite... Uh, okay, this will sound negative, but self-centered. <laughs> just in It's the, true, yeah. But just in the sense that they're focused more on the self and our own struggles rather than specifically uh, God's attributes and God's actions in redemptive history as we read in scripture and that's not necessarily always a bad thing right we can of course uh express ourselves and express what our experiences are in these things but to be a worship song something that is ascribing glory to god that is due only to him mm. then it, the content of the song i think is going to have to meet different criteria and True, it needs yeah. to be focused not so much on me and mm -hmm. you know as i sometimes i uh, get the sense that we're almost praising our response yeah right yeah it's praising god for who he is and what he has done as revealed specifically in scripture mm -hmm. yeah i think a lot of churches and just places where they're supposed to be worshiping god are guilty of singing a lot of the i me centered songs and we've we've talked about this many yeah, times before sure. just you and i but it really is um you have to make sure that you're bringing it back to we are praising god like that's why we're here that's to praise and worship god like those other songs aren't bad right but they're not worshiping god like we should be doing sure so obviously this is a biblically based podcast. So is there a way that scripture tells us that we should be worshiping? Sure. And I think it's actually helpful to give a negative example. One like examples of how scripture says, don't do this because mm, <laughs> yeah. there are examples. Not everything goes. And I think the primary story in which you get this idea from is found in Leviticus 10. And it concerns two of Aaron's sons who were priests because uh, Aaron's, Aaron and his descendants were appointed to the priesthood. Okay. And so uh, his sons were named Nadab and Abihu. And so in Leviticus 10, after God has prescribed uh, the type of incense that is to be offered before him, Nadab and Abihu are described as authoring, or offering unauthorized fire. That's kind of how it's called. Oh, okay. So something that the Lord did not prescribe in uh, the worship in the tabernacle. And the result is that fire comes out of the tabernacle and consumes them both and they die on the spot. Oh, okay. So, I mean, clearly God took the instructions he gave the Israelites for worshiping him very seriously, mm -hmm. right? And so we don't worship God just however we want to. We don't just go with however the flow of our emotions is guiding us god has mm. actually given us some prescriptions in his word for how we are to approach him so god defines what worship is we don't and i think that's an important pr principle to recognize at the start now there are some who would from this hold to something called the regulative principle of worship and so essentially what that means if is if scripture doesn't explicitly affirm it and say 
you should do this, this is how you should worship me, if there's no command to do it, then it's implicitly forbidden by scripture. So off limits. Okay. That's kind of how the regulative uh, principle works. On the other hand, you have this thing called the normative principle of worship, which is kind of the opposite. It says, if scripture doesn't explicitly forbid something, it's fair game. It's permissible in use of worshiping God. So, for example, in the regulative principle of worship, if we take communion, the Lord instituted uh, the, this celebration or, or commemoration of his death and resurrection with bread and wine. Mm-hmm. And so in the regulative principle, since scripture is only affirmed bread and wine, you do not use anything else oh, for communion. Interesting. So, goodbye grape juice. Say <laughs> farewell crackers. to Welch's. Yeah, say farewell to Welch's and crackers uh, with the regulative principle of worship. On the other hand, you have the normative principle of worship, which, as much as it might say that, that you know, communion shouldn't be Skittles and ginger ale, as I've seen done before, <laughs> um, <laughs> at the same time, it wouldn't uh, be so strict in the need to adhere specifically to bread and probably unleavened bread Mm. and uh, wine so that's one example of how that dynamic plays out okay so then which would you say is more biblically based or do we need to come somewhere in the middle right and so you know this is kind of a dynamic i've been working through really just in the past year Mm -hmm. so it hasn't had the time to marinate as some of my <laughs> uh, my other beliefs uh, have. So I'm not sure I can come down firmly on one side or the other. I would say that I tend to lean more closely to the regulative principle. Because, so oh, okay. the idea that, you know, if scripture doesn't say do this, then don't do it. Because, and that may just be my, uh, me wanting a safety net kind of, because I'm like, you know, just stick with what it says, don't go beyond it. And in some ways... That can be a good rule and helpful. Again, it can keep you from doing things like having Skittles and ginger <laughs> rail for communion. So I do think it's a, a helpful guardrail and you're certainly not going to err, right? If, yeah, if true. You, if you follow that principle. But I do recognize kind of the concern of of legalism where we elevate kind of almost traditions over commands in some Mm. sense and don't allow freedom where freedom would be allowed well like in the communion example like it's not wrong to use grape juice in crackers depending (laughs) on who you ask but yes i know well yes baptists (laughs) but i would i would definitely agree that skittles and ginger ale are not the thing to use for communion Mm -hmm. but like there's lots of reasons why you wouldn't actually use wine or bread And so there are different elements that work there, but it's just something we do want to encourage you to work through because, as we saw in Leviticus 10, God clearly does take his worship seriously. So this isn't something we can be casual or dismissive about. Mm, Okay, yeah. Okay, so moving on to our next section. We are not worship leaders, nor are we (laughs) experienced in the art of... Leading people in song. Nope, never will be. Oh, except this Sunday, I have to lead those seniors in yeah. from the hymn book. So hopefully their Gotta voices will overtake Gotta sing your them. heart out. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe I should video it and... 
put it on Instagram You're for people invited. to see. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So um, we have discussed this before, though. Yeah. Um, and I think anyone can discuss it. It's not. Yeah. Anyway. Sure. We're talking <laughs> about choosing appropriate songs for a worship set in in church so like what are the different things that you have to look for when looking for songs because you don't want to just pull them out of thin air you want to make sure that you're choosing songs that are appropriate and Mm -hmm. like we mentioned before that are worshiping god appropriately yes so the first thing that i want to talk about is something that is becoming more and more common Mm-hmm. And that's repetitive songs. Yes. So, Some so songs <laughs> just say the same line over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I will say it gets on my nerves. Yeah. I, yeah. I like having a good theological, mm-hmm. theologically deep and theologically correct song. Yes. Like 100%. Like you kind of almost... I uh, get the vibe from some of these repetitive songs that they're just multiplying their uh, words before God as if, as if that makes them more spiritual or will make it yeah. hurt, which is the same error Jesus confronted when he was talking about prayers. Like, do not babble on like the pagans yeah. do. Like, God knows what you need before you ask it. And so I think it's better rather than trying to hit this one usually simplistic point mm-hmm. uh, home time after time again. It's better to... I mean, in recognizing that these worship songs are teaching your congregation theology, yeah. they yeah. are, right? Take that Every moment yeah. in the church service, you are teaching people something. Yeah, 100%. So in recognition of that, let's actually have deep and solid theology in our songs. Let's express uh, praise to God for what he has done, for who he is. Teach people ab- about these things. And since these are prime opportunities to learn, they don't need to keep repeating is like this is how i fight my battles over and over <laughs> now i've probably triggered some people <laughs> because yeah. i got specific we may attack a couple songs in this podcast and we apologize ahead of time but also this that's what we do <laughs> but yeah but there's literally the song which is just this is how i fight my battles like eight times and then mm-hmm. it may look like i'm surrounded by i'm surrounded by you another eight times and then you go back and you circle and circle yeah. i'm like oh same with good good father <laughs> it can get a little bit it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are it's who i am it's who i am so i know it's not that these uh, songs don't necessarily express some element of truth but they have the tendency, on the one hand, as we've mentioned, to be simplistic. Mm-hmm. And to, like, saying it's who you are, it's who you are. I was like, okay, yes, we know. Well, what else? Like, what Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? So let's, like, move on to kind of... To move the, on to next, the next point. <laughs> I mean, people would have, like, a complaints if the pastor just kept uh, saying the same point over and over and over that, again. In the yeah, sermon. that is very true. Right? Let's develop these thoughts. And then, typically, I mean, this is my experience can't speak for everyone but i'm sure there are a number of people out there who just end up getting distracted by Mm. the repetitive lyrics and it gets tiresome to just say them over and over again it kind of just actually puts a downer on the spirit of worship they're supposedly trying to cultivate with these things yeah i definitely find that when they're too repetitive i either tune out 
and think about other things mm-hmm. or I just get really annoyed and then I don't really have a heart of worship when I'm just annoyed at the song. Right. <laughs> and um, this is kind of moving on to the next point. Okay, Ish. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the motivation behind doing so much repetition mm-hmm. is just to increase an emotional state, which yeah. I don't think is always genuine. Right. So that could be really controversial, but I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. And as we'll talk about at different points in this podcast, Mm -hmm. we know that emotion isn't bad. And I think you guys on our podcast have heard us say that before. Yeah. Right. Emotional responses to God are not bad. But the way in which we want to cultivate these emotional responses is through truth. Yes. We want people to be responding to the truth and reality and beauty of what God's nature is and what his word says, not just some special key change yeah. or some mel- melody rising or, you know, I don't know musical terms, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think you guys get the idea that I'm hammering home here. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, for sure. So along with correct and deep theology, yes, you obviously have to have acceptable lyrics. Right. Now, people might be going, well, yeah, there are, they're going to be acceptable if it's a Christian song. But I know we've discussed mm-hmm. some songs in particular yeah. that <laughs> we have questioned. Th- like, right. I feel mm-hmm. like people have the tendency to just sing a song and they don't really think about the lyrics. They Sweet. just sing it, have sung it, don't really think about it. Yeah. But you made me start thinking about it right. more. And, you know, it's just interesting how many... Uh, dinner table conversations happened about the sermon, kind of dissecting True. it and uh, thinking it through. But then worship, as you kind of say, yeah, we kind of it yeah, almost true. becomes a mindless thing. It's like yep, just sing the just sing the not, song, right. nice nice tune. Exactly. Heard these words a bajillion times, but yeah, like we've discussed some songs, and there's some that. I te- I always tended to be the one that just kind of sung along and yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you actually it, like you've made me think about things more right. and in particular let's start with how deep the father's love for us okay <laughs> great song oh yes great song great hymn um I've sung it since I was little and it's a great hymn yeah. but you brought up a line to me and I was like oh I guess I'd never really thought about it that way before yeah and so admittedly this I don't know it could be a me thing because obviously there are many people who don't have qualms of conscience about this particular line Mm -hmm. um but nevertheless I think this is worth thinking through and that is the one line I think towards the beginning of the hymn uh which is describing Jesus's death on the cross and then it says the father turns his face away now, I, I get that they're kind of trying to communicate the sorrow, even mm-hmm. on uh, God's part, that goes along with the events happening on the cross. But I don't think that line is actually biblically accurate. And, you know, but the thing is, too, that line is so embedded in us that there are many people who will talk about where Scripture says the Father turns his face away. They talk about it as if it's a Bible mm-hmm. verse, like, even your parents ever yeah they, they were talking like that that's how that's what i originally thought because mm. it's also how my parents talk so this line is really deeply embedded yeah and so i mean that goes again to show how important 
uh, worship songs are if they're going to be making people think yeah, like, this true. is what scripture says uh, and elevating it to that level but uh, in my view I don't think the father turning his face away is an accurate description of uh, what goes on at the cross and I mean there is a more a deep intense theology debate about the relationship of the trinity that is happening on the mm, cross like yeah like is jesus actually forsaken is the bond of the trinity broken and like i would say no right uh and i recognize there's a deeper debate to that but on the recognition that god does not change and that mm-hmm. as i like to say if the bond of the trinity was broken for even a nanosecond the universe would implode on itself yeah. <laughs> like we have to recognize that god only as god is the one holding the universe together so i don't think it's theologically possible to say that their bond could have actually been broken so that's kind of my comment on that side of the debate but then more specifically you know that verse my god my god why have you forsaken me that jesus says on the cross which is probably in my opinion the catalyst for saying the father turns his face away Mm. jesus is quoting verbatim uh verse one of psalm 22 Mm, right yeah and so we have to recognize what he's doing there and part of what he's doing is trying to get uh, his hearers or at least readers who would uh, read this recording later to think of that psalm as they're witnessing what is going on on the cross. And the psalm goes on, first of all, to describe the suffering of God's servant, namely Jesus, but then also his vindication. And one verse in Psalm 22 specifically says, God has not hidden his face from him. Mm. Right? And so... In my opinion, the line, the father turns his face away, seems to be a direct contradiction of that verse from the Mm -hmm. psalm. And so for me, I want to go with what the psalm says over this hymn as beloved and good in all other respects, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the next song I want to talk about (laughs) has caused a lot of controversy. Controversy. Even at Prairie, right? (laughs) It was like basically... Well, at least the rumor was that it was forbidden uh, oh, to yeah. be sung. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the rumor was true entirely, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one is Reckless Love. Yes. And so, <laughs> I mean, I've had my own debates about this too. And for those of you who listen to us who used to go to Prairie, I know Reckless Love would have never been sung in chapel in a million years. Well, when I was there this past year, that rule finally was broken. Yeah. In my last semester, they... Uh, I don't know uh, if it... They caved. Yeah, if they caved or <laughs> somehow they got it past the radar. But yeah, they sung uh, Reckless Love. And so now I recognize that a lot of people will say that we're not actually saying God's love is reckless. We're just saying this is how it appears to us from our perspective mm. is kind of the argument uh, for it. And so because it's describing our perspective, the idea is that it kind of helps us relate to Jesus because a lot of people view uh, like worship as their way of relating to God in the will so they want songs to help them relate to him mm, and yeah. as I told someone <laughs> once I was like well I want to relate to the real Jesus <laughs> and, and that that triggered a, a few outbursts <laughs> the conversation kind of fizzled out after that but <laughs> yeah my, me and my mouth um, mm-hmm. but to some extent I think that is a valid point right so because the song doesn't really it in the song itself it doesn't really present this as just my perspective it's like 
your love is reckless to me. It says like, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Yeah. Are you saying that God's love isn't actually overwhelming? It's just that from our perspective? No. Yeah. Right? You're, you're making assertions of the nature of God's love. And so, in case you're unaware, reckless means to act without um, thought in regards to the consequences of your actions. Yeah. So, obviously, according to that definition, that's a really terrible way to define god's love because mm -hmm. god's love as ex god's love as expressed in jesus's sacrifice had full view of the consequences of that the, the cost but then also the redemption that would come out of it so we just have to recognize that when we are uh, describing god okay yes we want to uh, connect to him in some way but just as we don't uh, want to communicate or stir up emotion for the sake of emotion, we don't want to try to uh, facilitate this connection for its own sake. It has to be done in a proper and fitting way, and that is through accurate language mm. about God, and it's through truth. And I really don't think that reckless love does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I agree with it all. <laughs> I know I've definitely had conversations with a lot of people over that song. So, yeah. Now, there's been some adaptations of Rickless oh, yeah. Love. Like, I like this kind of metal version called Sovereign Love. It's great. Look it up on YouTube. Um, maybe you don't like metal, but personally, I think it's a much better way of capturing uh, what the Bible says is the nature of God's love. So, yeah, just, again, things to th think through. We don't want to be saying nonsense, and we don't want to be saying mm -hmm. uh, falsehoods. Even if it does, in your opinion, help connect you to Jesus. Because we want to do it in a fitting way. We want to do it as God prescribes because he takes his worship seriously. Mm -hmm. So I will now leave it at that before <laughs> I upset anyone else. Okay, so also under the category of acceptable lyrics, mm -hmm. I've always had an issue with this in songs. I'm going to be honest. Sure. It's a very common phrase that we welcome God here. We right. invite him in. Mm -hmm. And just that idea of, oh, we're giving God permission to yeah. come yeah. and be present in the worship. Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another direct attacking of a song. Man. Oops. Yeah, we're just firing on all cylinders today. Yeah, making all sorts of en enemies. <laughs> but yes, that idea has always just rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and I mean, myself too. I guess not always. As a child, I just tend to just sing along to whatever uh, songs we're playing. But yeah, again, these things that you tend to think through as you uh, get older and try to mature in the faith. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, you get that idea of like, yeah, we need to give God permission to be here almost yeah. it's kind of the sense you get which which is nonsense it's yeah. stupid <laughs> uh, no he does not need your permission to uh show up the closest uh kind of idea you get with this whole idea of welcoming is when jesus sends his apostles out he said he says whoever welcomes you welcomes me so if you want to quote unquote welcome god listen to the people who are in charge of teaching his word mm -hmm. but that's different than actually extending this invitation uh, for god's presence to actually uh, fill up this place yeah because we're the ones that we are going to church to god's 
house yeah. well, to yeah. worship him right, to that's... offer him things not like mm-hmm. oh look we're all here we invite you to come hang out with us like yeah. what a privilege right no that that's absolutely true so it's almost as if it's like here god come be an audience for us yeah yeah <laughs> rather than us being in the audience of god in as much as his truth is proclaimed this mm-hmm. and of course no one's gonna go to the tabernacle or the temple for example and say hey god welcome you here it's like no we're it's not uh, god's presence that needs to be brought to us we are going into Mm -hmm. god's presence when we go to his house and so yeah there's a really skewed perspective that i think is present in those ideas so really Mm -hmm. i think it's better to say along with the psalmist in psalm 139 i believe Whither can I go from your pleasant presence? Where can mm-hmm. I flee from your spirit? If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If yeah. I go up to heaven, you're there. Yeah. So I think that's a much better attitude to approach worship with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. So the next thing to yeah. make sure that a song is appropriate for worship mm-hmm. seems straightforward. Okay. But it... it Nay, nay. Nay, nay. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't always that straightforward. Right. So, obviously, you have to have reputable artists. Mm. And mm. it's like, well, yeah, go make sure they have good songs, you know. Mm-hmm. But it requires being more aware yeah. of things. Um, so, like, going beyond just the content of the songs to the artists themselves in their churches exactly and what they stand for the most common example of this and the most commonly debated and people wrestle with it all the time is bethel and hillsong yes and whether we should be singing those in our churches right and i mean i know i've heard stories of elder board meetings where the pastors have different opinions and they're trying to hash this out i was asked this question in my credentialing interview like for agc oh right yeah about you know how would you respond if the church is singing songs from irreputable artists yeah and they didn't, they didn't name names i did but you did <laughs> <laughs> trust you yeah uh but yeah so obviously these are important questions important enough that they're part of a credentialing interview. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, you're going to serve with us? What's your opinion on this? And so, and admittedly, in some sense, there are, uh, it's a somewhat difficult question to work through, as you kind of noted. It's not as straightforward, maybe, as we would like. Because, on the one hand, do people know where a song comes from? Mm-hmm. So, the, the argument often is, you know, there's the little text in the bottom left or right corner of the screen that has the copyright information. This is from this church. So we see Elevation, Bethel, Hillsong, or or whatever. And I know I personally, and I know of others too, who look at that information because we're curious. And then, mm-hmm. and so may, I don't know how many people actually do that. Maybe it's less than I think, but nevertheless. But for those few that do. For those few that do, they could look at that. And perhaps say, it's like, okay, if we're singing this song, then this church might have valuable research. Because I know lots of people are going to be listening to podcasts and looking up sermons on YouTube throughout the week because mm-hmm. they want uh, more than just Sunday service. I'm like, okay. Which is good. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's get more of God's word in, word in us. But then if they see that your church finds this a reputable source, mm-hmm. it's almost as if you're giving your affirmation to 
uh, these people who have problems. I think one of a big problem in our North American churches is that we don't take seriously the command in Second John to not even greet false teachers, to not welcome them into our homes. And it's almost and it's almost as if when we put up their songs for it, or if we have their books in our libraries, yeah, how is that not greeting them and welcoming them into well, your yeah, home? Well, right? yeah, it's literally giving them. It's giving them money, if nothing else. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, in regards to some of the specific things about Bethel and Hillsong, I mean, stuff is still coming out. You and I just watched the documentary mm-hmm. on the downfall of both Carl Lance and Hillsong and yeah. uh, Brian Houston and alike. So, there's kind of leadership problems in some of these churches and uh, moral failings, which admittedly you'll find in a lot of places. True. Yeah, it's. It's important to differentiate between moral failings because we're human and moral failings because there is corruption in a church. Sure, and that's totally fair. And so, on the other hand, with uh, Bethel, they have root serious theological errors, yeah. such as, as has often been told, the whole grave-sucking thing, going to the graves of these uh, saints or people who are considered to be saints and lying on the graves in order to, uh, to suck up the grace from them in, in some way. And so yeah. obviously that, that is cultish. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's going back to our last episode actually, and how vigilant you have to be at these, with these places that are claiming to be Christian and maybe even producing some good songs. Yeah. But you don't want to lead someone astray mm-hmm. into following those ideas yeah. by endorsing For sure. their songs. Yeah. And I mean, Bethel, besides that really weird thing, also is known for its uh, prosperity theology, you know, health and wealth. Bill Johnson once said, I refuse to create a theology that allows for sickness. It's, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Lots as, of problems. Yeah, as often been said, he has glasses, so never trust a faith healer who wears glasses. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, there's these theological problems. And the point we just want to make is when you have these songs from these sources, we need to be careful to have a heart in which we don't want to in any way present a stumbling block for our brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. and cause them to be tripped up and deceived by these things. Yeah, and for so, sure. So yeah, let's again move away from our self-focus of like, oh, this is really good. This is really catchy. This would be a great song to sing as a church. And let's actually have the mindset is like, okay, is this going to cause my brothers and sisters to assemble? And if it is, then don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like even for our wedding, we <laughs> sang songs and I, there was a song that I really liked and you looked it up and it was by Elevation Worship. Yeah, I believe so. And so I picked a different song. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. So that's just one practical way we've tried to uh, work this out. So just so you guys know what we tell you on this podcast, however imperfectly, we do try to put these ideas into <laughs> yes. practice ourselves. Mm-hmm. 100%. For sure. So this one seems even more obvious than the last one. <laughs> yeah. But again, I say, nay, nay, nay. nay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use secular songs for worship. Right. Because some churches do. Believe it or not, some churches do. Yeah, it's true. And I I think even 
my mom went to a Hillsong concert, I believe it once was, and they were opening like with these secular oh, songs, Hillsong. right? So yeah, bringing up that name <laughs> again. So this is perhaps where you might say the regulative principle will come to, into play, right? God does not affirm that you can sing uh, secular songs, so don't do it. Whereas the normative principle, because there's technically nothing in scripture that forbids <laughs> singing secular Yeah, music, that's fair. Right? So you could see how that could uh, be problematic in that case such as this. But yet, no, obviously, this is goes even beyond the difference between Christian and worship music that we talked about yeah. at the beginning, right? It's not even about the Christian life anymore or about God. There is no sense in what... This is worship. You're just trying to draw people in by whatever means possible because yeah. the music's popular. Get them um, riled up, cue up the emotion, and then sprinkle a little God and Jesus into there. I'm like, okay, I'm going off now. But yeah, I have a serious problem when we use these tools of the world to try to attract people rather than just give, giving them straightforward truth and gospel message and gospel music. Yeah, we'll talk about this a lot more later, but having messed up priorities, that's mm. really what it boils down to. Yeah, I would say so. So let's sing music that's actually about God, guys. <laughs> yes, who'd have thought? Let's sing music about God to worship God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the next topic we are going to talk about today, mm. fostering a heart of worship, uh, yes. as we briefly mentioned in the beginning. Yes. Which is different than using manipulation to stir up emotion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, absolutely. Yes. There is a sense in which you can foster it's getting. This. It's getting, well, yeah, we, we can start with that, defining yeah. what fostering a heart of worship is. It's like getting in... Mm -hmm. A mindset to be prepared to worship God and focus right. on Him. Forget about the little problems of your life and right, like, get in the right mindset. Well, yeah, and that line you just mentioned brought, in my mind, the story of Jesus and Mary and Martha, you know, where Jesus mm. comes to visit them and Martha's rushing around trying to do yeah, everything, yeah. Prepare, prepare the meal. And then she's getting mad because Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. And she goes to Jesus like, tell her to help me. Don't you care? She's left to do all this by myself. And Jesus' response, I love it. It's so calm. It's such a gentle rebuke, but it's great. He says, Martha, Martha, <laughs> you are worried and upset about many things, but indeed few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, beautiful. Great it's response. Great. So, yeah, as you said, it's kind of removing yourself from these distractions of mm -hmm. life so you can focus on uh, worshiping God and hearing the, the word uh, from the scriptures that day. And it's also, as you kind of alluded to, again, coming into worship with this attitude of sobriety, somberness, mm -hmm. reverence, like choose yeah. your term right yeah for sure and not again to, i feel like maybe this is my own sense from certain people but i get the sense that a lot of people just approach it kind of flippantly mm -hmm. whereas people would approach the temple knowing this is the yeah. place of god we are coming to praise and offer sacrifices to him and this is serious we don't we often neglect that attitude today in the for name sure. of christian freedom for sure i think I think that is a huge problem yeah. these days is that we forget the reverence. Yes. 
And I mean, 100%. I admit for me, it's, it's difficult. It's hard to like forget about what's worrying you and focus completely on worshiping and singing and singing the songs and mm-hmm. what you're saying. Like, it's hard. Yeah. I get distracted by people on the other side of the room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Definitely not speaking from what happened this Sunday or anything. Oh, yes. Yeah. So like, who's that sitting next to him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember. <laughs> it's hard, but you got to make an effort. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, God is worth the effort, guys. He's yeah. worth the reverence and he's worthy of the reverence. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So first thing is going to be fun to talk about. I, being a good little Baptist girl, grew up where we did not raise our hands. We did not clap. We just stood and we sung. Mm -hmm. So is hand raising (laughs) acceptable? Oh, you'd be surprised about the amount of debate that one question stirs up. Yeah? Yeah. So this is perhaps... Where I could see the regulative principle getting a little out of hand. Oh. Yeah, because I have seen people argue, Scripture does not affirm that you worship with raising your hands, so don't do it. Oh, yeah. Right? So, so again, this may be one reason I don't come down hard on either side of these principles. Yeah. Because now I've mentioned an error, I can see in both of them. And so, like, people of the regulative principle position would say, all those verses that do talk about raising hands, they're only, they're in context, they're about prayer, not singing. Mm, and so mm-hmm. they would say, don't raise your hands to sing. In that case, you're just giving way to emotionalism, which isn't true worship. But again, as we say again and again, emotional expressions towards God it's are not, not bad. bad. No, no. <laughs> like, okay, as, as much as emotions can overtake and control you, and that is wrong, to simply uh, be moved by the truth of the words you're seeing and prompt mm-hmm. you to you know i don't really know how why hand raising is our particular response to these emotions but nevertheless it is a, yeah. a way of just uh more thoroughly engaging not just our our mouths but even our hands the, the, the rest of ourselves in this act of worship so yeah i would say of course raising hands is acceptable i mean don't get distracted and wave them around like you just don't yeah. care <laughs> right uh, but in itself no i i do not see a problem with it yeah like even though i am a good little baptist girl i do uh prairie corrupted me in that i do sometimes raise my hands now yes. just kidding by the way now i i'm fine with raising hands yes. <laughs> and now psa for those of you who do raise your hands be prepared for one little immature fella to give you a high five as you're raising your hands. Oh, that made me so mad. Yes, there was one. So mad. (laughs) So bad. There was one time uh, when Ashley and I were at Prairie and I was um, on sound, not sound, I was doing some tech work in the booth that day. And so I kind of had a bird's eye view of the people of the college worshiping down below. And I saw Ashley raising her hand for one song and then one of the people in our friend group at the time decided that was the appropriate time to high five her and just make a joke out of it. He was making it hard to praise Jesus, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Yeah, the the Lord she was testing. Gonna raise his hand raise my hand right into his face. (laughs) Turn the other cheek, my love. But but yeah, so but again, obviously that's quite irksome because 
it completely ruins this attitude of reverence again yeah. that we talked about that we're trying to have. So, come on, like, guys, okay, you know what? If you're going to be disrespectful, do it, do it in yourself. Like, stop. Yeah, <laughs> don't affect someone else's yeah. way of worshiping. Oh man. But so. yeah, so I obviously started raising my hands sometimes when I worshipped. Yeah. And. I'm not sure why that's the expression that just feels appropriate. Yeah. I think for me, it's kind of like physically lifting up the praises to God. Sure. Yeah. So I think that's why I at least express it in that way. Yeah. And I think uh, for some people in a similar vein, it's about expressing this idea of I'm receiving what God has for me. Yeah. So it can yeah. Be that, so. But I just, I have a thing about people who raise their hands for like, everything they sing okay. and okay it is not my place to judge it is not mm. my place to judge where someone's heart is but it does it does make me question how genuine like the fe- the feeling or movement is like then i start to question is it the emotion of the song or that they really are being moved by the holy spirit you know what i'm saying sure kind yeah. of yeah i can kind of get at that and of course yeah we do want to be careful about I'm judging people's hearts, right? Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I, for sure, I'm not going to stand there and look at someone and be like, that's not a genuine hand raise. Because I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) No, totally. I don't know. Maybe every song does, God is speaking to them somehow. Maybe. But, yeah. And personally, yeah, so in some extent, this is really just a matter of, of opinion as long as your mm-hmm. um expression isn't disruptive mm-hmm. yeah you could probably say it's okay personally i don't often do it and i often feel bad like especially with the one song uh where it specifically says like oh, i stand with arms high and surrender or something like that where it's really explicitly talk about i'm standing with my arms <laughs> and so it's like well i'm not technically but then again most i don't see your heart is. Your heart is standing high. Sure. I mean, I don't see anyone <laughs> kneeling when we see my kneel. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, there's a, a wooden way to take this. <laughs> but yeah, so, okay, we kind of... Uh, we got a little off topic, didn't we? Got a little on a rabbit trail with but this. that's fine. Yeah, no, that's okay. So a little sidebar on raising hands, but essentially, emotional expressions are bad, but just don't let emotion control you and yes. do not be disruptive. That's yeah. basically a summary of what we said. Yes. There you go. Pulls notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've already briefly touched on this, but um, hmm. there's a few other things that we can bring it into. Sure. Is having appropriate reverence. Yeah. And so, I mean, dress code is at least one of the ways I've heard it preached. Like there's mm. uh, one Sunday that you actually happened to be working on so that I went to our church by myself and of course it was this sunday that i was wearing a t-shirt and jeans because it was the sunday the pastor preached against coming to church in a t-shirt and jeans oh no i I was just i was trying to give a straight face and not show my not feel attacked is he looking at me when he's saying (laughs) and so now obviously well some people myself was like oh that's so legalistic and it's like Mm -hmm. so admittedly there's a lot of times when you okay let me put it this way we can often have no trouble recognizing a certain principle 
in scripture so we can recognize the principle of reverence right but then when you try to apply it in such a practical way as like Mm -hmm. here's how do you come to church dressed that's immediately when people get offended yeah and when uh, accusations of legalism ring out and sometimes they do have an air of legitimacy i'm not saying every time someone brings up saying that's legalism they're they're wrong but we should consider uh if the pastor or preacher or whatever has a a point in saying this is an appropriate uh expression of what your reverence should look like mm. so with both of you and I, when we uh, go to church, right? So we do uh, make efforts to not just uh, come in clothes that we would lounge around. Yeah, not um, like sweatpants and a t-shirt. Right. And it's simply because, again, about how our clothes kind of cultivate a certain atmosphere and attitude, mm-hmm. right, uh, that we come to church with. Like no one goes to a, a fancy uh, dinner dressed all the way yeah. down, right? So if we're willing to dress up for that... Some people raise questions like, well, why not for church? Because this is serious business. It's not casual. It's not yeah. something you should be flipping about. And you can take that to extremes and say people need to be coming to church in a suit and tie all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And well, I would certainly have a problem with that. Yeah. Because I think that would be a certainly a legalistic way of making that application. And even in James, it talks about, you know, the wealthy who come in fine clothes versus the poor man who does not have nice clothes on and you shouldn't treat them differently and so you know a lot of people can't afford to have a plethora of suits and ties yeah. that they come to church with so there's that that we want to recognize in there but essentially again the point we want to mm-hmm. emphasize is that what are you doing to cultivate an attitude of reverence in your own heart as you approach god's house to worship Okay. Yeah, totally. So going back to kind of the lyrics of songs and stuff, we also have to make sure that we are thinking about what we're singing Mm -hmm. and that you're not affirming lies while you're singing them. So for example, in all I do, I honor you. Yeah. Do you do that? Right. Or are you just saying that because that's a song? (laughs) No, legit. Right. And it's actually my dad who first caused me to think through that line. He's like, oh, cool. I was like, oh, because, yeah. Be, so he and now I tend to change the line as we soon it to, in all I do, may I honor you, just oh, trying yeah. to express more an intent rather than a, a fact. And maybe we're being nitpicky, maybe. But at the same time, we we don't want to be mindless when we mm-hmm. come to sing these worship yeah, songs. For Let's sure. ha- Right? Let's actually take the opportunity to think through our life. Take the opportunity to examine yourself in your own heart and whether these attitudes are actually true, if these facts are actually um, true. And so, like, for example, Jesus said that, you know, if you're bringing your gift to the altar and then in that moment you remember that someone has something against you or you have something against someone, go and leave your offering on the altar and go reconcile with that person first, then come back Mm -hmm. to worship God. So it's... God actually takes seriously the state of our heart yeah. and the state of our relationships with others that it's pure before we come to now praise him. Mm-hmm. So we can't just be mindlessly singing all these yeah. uh, things about uh, purity and righteousness as if they're true about our life when we have such an explicit plank in our eye, if you yeah. will, at the moment. Yeah, that's a really good point. Very good point. 
All right, so we touched on this a little bit earlier, and it is very important to have proper focus when you're going to worship. And it's come up a couple times now. Sure. And even with the Hillsong theme we mentioned, I think this is where we're going with this point. Not only is it up to you as a person coming to worship to, you know, have your mind focused on Jesus and on God, but also on those leading worship, trying to cultivate mm-hmm. this atmosphere that one hundred percent, yeah, that isn't full of distractions, and so, but so many uh, worship services kind of act like concerts or, so or light shows. Many, so many, bringing out the smoke machine, <laughs> and they want to they want to bring in people like, oh, let's have a fun time, party time, right? But it does not foster that reverence it does not foster a situation in which we're thinking about let's let's praise our god it's heightening those emotions but not in the right way yeah no 100 percent. and so like for example this isn't about singing explicitly but it's a similar example i can think of with regards to preaching Mm -hmm. there's this one a youth conference i believe it was I know of one time where they had a few different speakers and there was this one speaker who was telling, you know, joke after joke and he's mm. making the cr- crowd laugh over and over again. And then he extends this altar call at the end and there are people walking up to receive Christ while laughing down the aisle. Mm. You really think they know what they're doing? Yeah. Right? So. It's it's tugging on the wrong emotions. It, exactly. Yeah, and it again neglects this uh, reality of reverence were to have reverence uh, certainly can include joy there can be yeah. joy in our singing but as as you said it's not about stirring up emotions in the wrong way or just trying to tug on our heartstrings and make uh the service about like look at this production we're putting on right yeah yeah totally so priorities is a huge thing if you yeah. have if god is not your priority in worshiping mm-hmm you're obviously not worshiping. That's, well, that's yeah. just, that, that's what it is. It's yeah. a concert, not worshiping God. Right, and th- there is a difference. You can't just slap the label worship on anything, anything and yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, as we always do, we'll bring it back around to the Bible. It's all based on the Bible, but we're bringing it directly back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, let's about, talk about Psalms and their function, because those mm-hmm. are like one of the best examples of worship in the bible right and so you know our the church in general greatly underutilizes psalms mm-hmm. in general yeah. right now there are some people who would say we should only sing the psalms i'm like okay i don't i don't there think... you go with extremes again right? <laughs> yeah, right there's always these extremes and no i'm not advocating for that but can why you... not use them right can you name any church well i know there are some but you personally in your experience how many churches do you actually know that are singing psalms in their services none that i can think of right. none that i've uh, ever been to yeah and so but why not they are literally songs yeah <laughs> right that god has put in scripture so they have the benefit of being completely true and you can see them with no qualms of conscience well yeah because it's from the bible (laughs) like yeah can't get much more theologically sound than that right and so i mean there and so there are uh good efforts by certain people to 
put the songs to music because that mm. may be one of the reasons we don't want to do it because of the effort needed to give it a melody because we don't have access to whatever melodies they used back when these songs were originally written. But the fact is these are too precious of things to be ignored by the church. We've kind of already expressed how psalms can actually correct some of these potentially errant notions of God. We use that verse from Psalm 22 to confront this line of the father turns his face away. Line from Psalm 139 about whether can I go from your spirit to confront this idea of like now welcoming God into the presence of our church. And so I think psalms need to be used far more than they are because moreover than just the truth they express, they encompass a full range of emotions, right? Yeah. They encompass lament and sorrow and distress and anxiety, but they also counter uh, those and have an appropriate balance with praise and joy and reverence and worship. So we need to use the psalms more. They are vital for the church. Yeah, and the reality is by now, there's a lot of musicians who have put the psalms to music, yeah. word for word. So that's it's not a, even an excuse anymore. Yeah. Use their songs. Like, there's access. Yeah. Like, I know of a couple. So Shane and Shane, I know, they aren't word for word. Mm, they okay. they adapt the, the psalms and usually also more specifically mention Jesus. So they interpret the psalms Christologically. And I certainly don't have a problem with that. But there are also uh, other artists who are more strictly like as you said word for word uh with the psalms expressing directly and straightforwardly what they say uh i think brian sove is pretty good at that in the few psalms that he has out on spotify there's this uh, one thing we've heard of called the psalms project i believe yeah which is about putting the psalms to music so there are resources out there so yeah let's use them yeah for sure all right so that wraps up our topics there we go. Very passionate one today. Very <laughs> couple tangents, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I think for me, a good way to kind of wrap up this episode mm-hmm. is that Christians need to, number one, think more when they <laughs> worship. <laughs> yes. They have to think about what they're saying. They yeah. have to... And emotional reactions are not bad. Like we've said, emotional reactions are not bad. Right. But we also have to think about what we're saying. Yeah. Christianity is not mindless. Yeah. For sure. And number two Mm -hmm. is that our worship needs to be less self-centered. Yes. It needs to be God-centered. All sins got I in the middle of it. (laughs) that's a a good one and that's a good way of putting it but yeah like that is the root of a lot of the problems 100 percent, fully agree full stop (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's all concluded (laughs) there you go awesome all right so thank you for listening today to our passionate speech (laughs) hope you got something out of it If you did, let us know. If you didn't, let us know. If you want, there's a topic you want us to address, also let us know. We are on Instagram at Grounds and Leaves Podcast. Yes. So yeah, love to hear from you. 
But now, until next time, we are keeping you grounded in the Bible. When others leave the faith.